This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. Johnny G, joining me as always in the High and Mighty Studios, is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris, currently indisposed, playing with a ball. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios is a longtime friend, longtime co-worker, first-time guest, Nate Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Clap, clap wherever please, you are. In your car. Clap Take your hands <laughs> off the wheel and clap for me. Clap while you're programming, programming <laughs> or whatever it is, you fucking lunatic. It's, it's podcast having list. excellent English. Programming. Are you a programmering? Are you currently programmering on Rubri on Rails? <laughs> Dude, uh, it was hard to look at you do that. It, I had to I look heard away from about you. it. Yeah, I was like, I'll be polite and not make eye contact because I was laughing and I felt like I was going to make you laugh. It's it's an unreasonable thing I've built into my uh, day. <laughs> my upstairs neighbor one time was like, he was like, he read this LA hey, Times. Hey, pardon me, uh, number one fuckboy. <laughs> Could you, um, <laughs> Can you keep it down? I have my mom here and you're screaming fuckboy at the top of your lungs. There was like an LA Times article about me and it had podcasts mentioned in it. And he read it at the barbershop he works at. And he comes downstairs and he's like, Did- oh man, holy shit, I had no idea. So is that why you're always yelling downstairs? And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, episode one hundred and thirty something. Yes, I've been every screaming. time I orgasm, I just yell that. <laughs> so you're actually Boy, just hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I orgasm, and I record one podcast a week, so they he hears it five times a month. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now on to the other, only other, the other, only other planned part of my podcast we are going to read some five-star reviews of high and mighty so as mm-hmm. always shitheads as always listeners if you rate me five stars on itunes and then roast me in the review i will read it on air or whatever this is called and i think i say that every time mm-hmm. okay whoops lost it got it even with knowing i'm recording a podcast i should not have my computer open because i am completely ready to like read a buzzfeed article you know what i mean like i'm like all right let me look up the reviews i'm like oh wait an email you just- <laughs> like i almost like complete like i'm just so capable let of distracting up this episode of portlandia yeah, i was yeah, halfway through it yeah. oh what's this show on hulu here's what Ooh, yeah please watch please please um, all right so this review is from devon and the title is john goonbrus this adult spends an hour and a half every week talking over his guests and making a fool of the medium of podcasting. I'd call him the poor man's Bobby Moynihan, but it would be an insult to Bobby as well as the impoverished. Listen to his monotonous drivel has taken years off my life ex- life expectancy, given me ulcers, and obliterated my positive outlook on the world in general. He put it best himself. He really is the number one fuckboy. <laughs> wow. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. Completely dressed down. Thank you, uh, Devon. <laughs> it was pretty articulate. Yeah, that yeah. one kind of just was like, yeah, that's fair. That hurts. I can't really take umbrage with anything. <laughs> it all it all works out. How do you feel when somebody calls you the poor man's version of somebody you know? That's the hard part. Yeah. But I that's fair. Because it's like Bobby's pretty famous. Because Bobby mean, is pretty yeah. famous. I know him. We kind of both do Com- we kind of both do comedy. I got- <laughs> we kind of look a I little mean, similar. We both ten do seasons of Saturday Night Live. I think we can successfully say he does comedy. I definitely do comedy, and like Bobby does something sort of like comedy on whatever that show he was on for a little bit. Me, myself, and I. 
Is that still going? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. But I good for I'm, Bobby, though, you know? Well, good for Bobby. And yeah. more importantly, it moved him out to Los Angeles. It did. He's out here now, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of one of the few, uh, one of the handful of comedy people that share my exact birthday. What's your birthday? January 31st. That's cool. Paul Shear, um, James Adomian, Bobby Moyer. Wow, a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, Weird. Nangle. Weird. Um, yeah. All January 31st. Justin Timberlake. What's nine months prior? What's happening? Um, That puts you in like uh, late March. Yeah, of St. course. St. Patty's Day. St. <laughs> Patty's Day. Fornication. <laughs> we all have Guinness blood. <laughs> it is. A lot of Irish families in the morning. And then like the- Gemberling, Jackie Clark, they're all like one day apart from us and stuff like that. It's weird. There's like it's a, a real yeah. cluster. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I'm in um, a late, I'm in a September. It's the start of spring, maybe. Could be. Winter's over. You're finally like be, horny again. Yeah, women are wearing skirts. <laughs> men are wearing shorts. Everybody's like, men wow, look at those legs. And we know chicks are like, God damn, I got to fuck this guy. He's got those, shorts on. Look at those pale legs. <laughs> it hasn't worked for me in a decade of wearing almost exclusively shorts. If someone's like, damn, thick thighs save lives, boy. <laughs> Is that an expression? <laughs> Thick thighs save lives? Yeah. I think so. I say it a lot, whether it's an actual expression. That's what firemen, I just picture a fireman coach in a gym yeah. walking around as other firemen are doing Boys, squats. get low in the squats. <laughs> get low in the, the grass. Squats. Thick thighs save Thick lives. Thighs save lives. <laughs> uh, nah, I don't you whining either. now? Let's see you whine when you got a 160-pound man on your back. I'm 12, 12 stories up, towering inferno. <laughs> All that's up there, two obese baby twins who need to get down five fucking fire escapes you know what i needed in that moment quads (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what i was grateful i didn't cheat myself in the gym if i would have done five by four instead of five by five i'd be fucked up there (laughs) i'd have to leave one of them dumpy ass twins behind Um, you got something to say murphy (laughs) is that funny you murphy Murphy, get out of here. Those are some great thighs, boy. (laughs) Um, The next review is called A Cry for Help from Blah B. Joe Grabus uses his podcast in an attempt to recant his alt-right statements made while guest starring on other podcasts, afraid that if he breaks character, he will no longer be accepted by those surrounding him. Joe seems like a nice enough guy, but his constant battle of his true Antifa stance battling his alt-right inter-circle has caused him to spiral out of control and eat his feelings, along with eating the feelings of those around him. He is always eating. As we listen to this broken man-boy's attempt to cover his sorrow with comical references, you can't help but be more saddened that he actually thinks he is funny love the show keep it going god damn five stars god god damn do i hate the alt-right references but at least this guy admits that i'm trying to pretend i'm not alt-right which is a compliment (laughs) that one's a little weirder to me because it's coming up and i think it's just because on comedy bang bang gino is like a casually racist long islander uh or he doesn't he's not racist he just casually stereotypes everybody and there's some there's a a overlap in the venn diagram (laughs) and i'm not doing a character at all (laughs) (laughs) all you do is turn the turn the knob a little bit yeah i just i just actually peel back a layer of me pretending to be civilized like if i this is my actual accent uh this is not my actual accent. This is a character You've I've affected learned this. <laughs> to like be respected in the comedy world. And oh, then in I real really life, this yeah. is my fucking voice. What the fuck? Uh, Rogers always calls me out. He can tell when I'm like drunk or getting really amped up because it starts coming it like insane. I'm like, well, put the coffee in the fucking drawer, dude. <laughs> and everyone's like, whoa. 
And I'm like, all right, shit, I'm Long Island trash. I forget. I think I'm Los also, Angeles acting royalty. Right. <laughs> Me, Bobby Moynihan, <laughs> all my boys. <laughs> so Me, Bobby Moynihan, Paul Shear, best friends, same birthday. These guys love me. Anybody born late January, nobody funnier. <laughs> no, there's no, yeah. ain't nobody funnier than an Aquarius, dude. <laughs> Jackie Robinson, Portia de Rossi, they're both born. <laughs> Phil Collins. On, J- on January 31st? <laughs> yeah. I'm not that good friends with Phil Collins anymore. <laughs> we were tight during the Genesis years, but he fucked He's me. less funny. <laughs> He's I think, a little less funny than like I think you could someone say who's been you're lightly into comedy like Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the last one. Randy in 10 Car High Rec is his name. The title of this podcast is John Gatrix Goes Commando. This podcast is a great listen to when you're feeling down about your life. You can hear a man struggle through an obvious battle with his food addiction. He once ate 100 chicken nuggets, even though each one was another handful of dirt on his casket. (laughs) He is the number one cluck boy. I know that joke was bad, but it's on par with his brand and quality. Five stars. John, don't die or do whatevs. (laughs) (laughs) John, don't. Wait, did it actually say don't die or do? Yeah, don't die That's pretty or funny. do whatevs. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Just reminding me that my death has literally no bearing on most people's lives. <laughs> I wonder if I if I die and I'm going to tell my wife, I'm going to tell Tiff to just start putting my podcast up again at episode one and just run it through all the way. See if anyone even knows. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. <laughs> People are like, we don't listen. We just fucking roast this asshole. Or they're just like, episode 208. Kind of like phoned in the number one fuck boy. (laughs) Like it wasn't nearly as emphatic as the later. I don't know. Maybe he's tired. Maybe I'll let uh, poor man's John Gabriel's Bobby Moynihan take over. And now I've mentioned another person too much on this podcast. Now that people are going to tweet at him like, Bobby getting roasted on High and Mighty. (laughs) If anything, though, we love the guy. We're just like, man, that guy is funny. He's the best. I love him. Drunk uncle. He's truly one of the nicest people. Sweetest guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like... Often people that you're friends with get successful and you kind of have like a tinge of like, well, they did it. Yeah. Bobby is one of those people who you're like, well, he is has been the funniest guy at the theater for five years. It makes sense that he should be. It's It was. Yeah. It, when that happened, I remember all of us feeling that when at the UCB, he was like, we we're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That it's makes sense. Best. Like It's like when Neil Casey started getting successful. No one was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he's man. like the funniest human being alive. <laughs> funniest, like most seer, like good actor. You know, yeah, like takes work and he's like a hard worker yeah he's great and he's nice to you so it's like there's no and the only other person I've ever felt that when they start getting success that I had no inkling to be jealous at all is Donald Glover like the dude is just like a a polymath he's like he could do literally anything he wants I like that we're just staying in the positive lane yeah, this is a, the right choice to make. I think because it's because it's love. very easy to go like I could oh, have done that, or bitch. I don't think yeah. that person is that funny, or that's so transparently the reason they got this job is X, not because of their talent or whatever. It's so easy to do that, of but course. then with some people like like. Donald Glover is objectively like he had like one of the best shows and one of the best albums in the same year. <laughs> yeah. That's like an unheard of task. I remember listening to that first album just being like, oh, Donald will be our you first know. like uh, we I mean, he started out sort of as a peer, but not really. But uh, he'll be the first one that he got out of like our yeah, probably. <laughs> like, <Yeah. We, laughs> for sure. This, this reminds me, by the way, I think I mentioned to you that on one episode you had John Flynn on and something happened that I always wanted to happen, which was you guys mentioned my name. 
like I was listening to the podcast because whenever I listen to a podcast that's hosted or featuring like somebody I know or a friend of mine, it's hard not to like, you want to just probably talk about me at some point, right? We're friends. (laughs) Yeah. I love getting Um, name dropped on another podcast. It's so, it, it really scratches a narcissistic itch, you know, it's huge to be spoken about positively behind your back is like, as someone who works in this business is all you, cause you're countlessly told by your agent or your manager or friends, they love you. They, yeah, they yeah, love yeah. you over there and you never feel it. Well, you don't but, believe it. Right. You feel you don't like believe it. Smoke, it smoke up your ass. Right. So when you finally hear someone speak positively about you or overhear, you know, Hey, you know, Nate Smith was here yesterday saying like, you're so funny. And you're like, it would, oh, it would make yeah. me cry. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, I like o- overhearing somebody say that you're their friend. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Over here, like somebody's like, uh, oh, I love that guy. He's a, I, a great guy. He was a friend of mine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then you're it's like, just like, it's really touching. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, you're a friend of mine. You too. Are my, you're my friend too. <laughs> you're my friend too. Brothers. <laughs> Brothers forever. How did um, we mention you, me and Flynn? Yeah, so it wasn't exactly like you were like, wow, this guy's hilarious or funny or whatever or cool. You just were talking about. You, the, you were naming men that you and John Flint both knew, and he was categorizing them as types of gay men. <laughs> <laughs> That's an early episode. I remember that episode. And it was like, who, you know, so and so, hey, kind of an otter, and, but, you know, obviously you're a bear. And then you were like, Nate Smith. And I like slammed the brakes on my car. I was like, yeah, just like, whoa. Please be an otter. Please be an otter. <laughs> and he goes, nah, he's just like a Chelsea boy. <laughs> That's how hard up we are for self-affirmation is that someone going two people who you're friends with just going, he's a Chelsea boy is like enough to feel good about yourself. I, I interpreted it. I was like, okay. Yeah. It okay, just means sure. like you're a good looking in shape guy who's not particularly scruffy. In or, yeah. Or not like a type. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of I sort of interpreted it as like normal vanilla like average white guy. <laughs> that is your type though. Right? That is my type. <laughs> We need a normal, average, vanilla white guy. Yeah. Are any of those in LA? You're not weird enough for this role. You're in that like weird blessing and curse level of attractiveness where you're not like uh, obvious lead of like a teen romance, but also you're not like Clint Howard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you're just like I hope I get work. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's like (laughs) if they need a non-threatening guy, I fit right into that role. Not threatening, yeah. but normal. I guess I like that guy. It's yeah. sort of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go to audition for like a Gillette spot or something, yeah. advertisement, and the like, men there will be like devastating. They're so good looking, you know? I hate that. That I'll be like, why did you send me on this? They're going to cast one of these guys. <laughs> there was like a period of time. There was like a period of time. Significantly less Semitic looking <laughs> nose. <laughs> Can we pick someone with less sharp features yeah. <laughs> like how do we say this how do we say this uh do you have anyone with more gentile features do you mean gentle yes yes yeah, yes what yeah, i meant what sure, i meant was sure. yeah. goy features uh you number one fuck goy <laughs> number one fuck goy uh, i'm stealing that for next week's You're welcome for the episode. just to keep that separation that so everyone knows i'm uh not a, not one of them you know not one of the j-o-o's <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think it's from South Park. I think uh, Cartman, he's, he's like, did you know he's a J-O-O? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, terrible That's joke. That's such a great, it's such a stupid joke. Um, wait, what were we, oh, so f- just real quick, we we're going to talk about old jobs we've had because we've had some weird ones, but um, I there was like a three month span where my commercial agent just misrepresented me in their mind and I was only going on like 
truck commercials mm-hmm. for actual construction workers. <laughs> like I, they were like, "Have you ever worked construction?" I was like, "Yeah, a couple summers." <laughs> kind right. of exaggerate a little bit, and then I, I go on like five auditions in a row, and it's with like legit like oh, fucking actual guys. actual construction workers. They're like, "Yeah, we use the F one fifty, and I'm like going in there, and I'm like, I'm clearly way too effeminate for this. Like, right. there's no way I'm selling. Did you go I, in, in a t shirt? Yeah, I'm like in a cargo shorts, yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, hey. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. They all have steel toe boots yeah. on. You're like, I work construction in your flip Yeah, they have like flops. literally like shirts with paint on them and yeah. stuff. And I'm like wearing like a uh, Medmen dispensary t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when I'm hauling wood to and from the job, I know I need a V6 Hemi or whatever. You count on my, uh, my F-150, my <laughs> Ford Dakota or whatever. And it's, I, I've never felt more like a fucking uh, sham, like more like a lie than in that moment. I've been in that scenario. It's I'm not doing construction though i'm too <laughs> i'm too like stock brokery or whatever yeah. um, but you still get called in you're like i can pretend to be a waiter and then you like look around everyone's in like actual uniforms from their cafes or whatever and you're like yeah, oh. not, yeah. <laughs> did you i took an acting class one time and the first day one of the things exercises we did was you got up in front of the class without having said anything to anyone or introduce yourself or say your name even you just sit down and the, the exercise was everybody in the class just shouted out judgments about you like things that they thought were true not personality traits but like what you did for a living and they just and, made uh suppositions about it. they yes. just guessed stuff about you and uh it's kind of fun it was uh it's like wonder boys remember that scene in the movie wonder boys they're like do they do that they're out at like a restaurant and they're all like writers and they're just oh, like they size each other yeah up. and they like find a dude who's like like look at this guy's like tell he probably narrative. was in the army and they ate like and they yeah. write his backstory like that's kind of a fun exercise it, it was that's why I said stockbroker because people people like kept cir- like circling, like finance stockbroker like Ivy League you <laughs> knows. <know. laughs> <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> Fucking Jewish. You've never had like your entire career uh, guessed based on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Those are uh, only the people that lawyer, saw me. Only doctor. the people that saw me in profile. <laughs> yeah. The people They're on like, the sides of the class had dead one idea. Front were like I don't see stockbroker, man. <laughs> I see so I see Gillette ad. <laughs> yeah. People Fingers on the side are like, "Whoa, no. synagogue <laughs> rabbi, um, <laughs> synagogue rabbi." He's a rabbi. synagogue. <laughs> well, I'm a freelance rabbi. I don't have a synagogue. I'm just I travel around. I do whatever. I don't have a, a home. Just synagogue. Sh- shouting Jewish buzzwords at people. <laughs> so before we get into old weird jobs, we had the reason this came up is because we had one pretty awesome job together for a long time. We did. I, I, I talk about that. Finally, that's like one of my two favorite jobs I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah. Lifeguarding and that job. To I mean, be honest. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I mean, we all know lifeguard. Like, like that's like the best job you can have is just be outside at the put, beach. Put also. a pin in that. We'll, yeah. I'm sure we'll come back. <laughs> yeah. To we'll come that. back to that. Um, we worked on 30 rock as FOTs, non-speaking writers, uh, for FOTs, meaning friends of Tina. Yeah. Friends of Tina or TGS writers. We got called a couple of different things. Right. This, the writers who never talk, the writers who never talk, the McBrayer yeah. boys, the <laughs> UCB guys, the UCB guys, um, the five white guys. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we sat around the table. So basically, the we, way so I describe we it, we all is, wanted to be actors and/or comedy writers, right? And so what we did was we got hired as the lowest form of actor to pretend to be a comedy writer. Correct. So it was like scratching some weird itch, at least. It, true. <laughs> it was. It was yeah. really like part of the, what made that job work. Like, and me want to go was it was so. Cl- it was like a close approximation of a job that I actually wanted, and it was like regular work at the time when it was at, at the time. I didn't make any money yeah yeah we didn't make any money it was like a hundred 
120 bucks a day, 130 bucks a day. I forget what it was because we were extra. 136. We were, 136, right? Rate, 142 yeah. if you got to stand in for somebody or something like that. Right. Or if it, you like go overtime, you like be tight. It's going to be a $15 bump, guys. Yeah. 15, yeah, we're gonna 15 be, more bucks. I remember a couple of times we like worked, like shot two episodes in one day. Yeah, like by, a like, long day. Yeah, and it would be like a big long day and it would be like flipping to the other crew and then you would get like... Oh, we worked technically two, and you would fill out two timesheets, right. and you were like, "Yes, dude." The, some days we would go in and be there, and they would think they were going to shoot a scene with us, and then not shoot a scene. So we'd get 136 for basically like being there for an hour. Yeah, just for hanging. Those out. were nice days. Those were great days, and they were so they treated us so well. No, I've yeah. never even been a principal actor that was treated as well as we were treated as extras. On. I would imagine if you're like on your own TV show for five seasons, you would get to the level right. of treat because we were treated insanely well. No extra was treated like we were. So that that's the way I just des- always described the job was it was glorified background. Like, yeah, because it really we were just extras on that show. It was almost like the five of us or however many there were were one principal actor. Kind of. Yeah, that's the way like, we treated. They were kind of treated us, yeah. us like, "All right, guys, hang out here. Sorry, there's no dressing room for the five extras. You guys got to go hang out with the lunatics." Right. With uh, <laughs> one thing I loved about that, now thinking back, was that they, no one ever begrudgingly treated us better. Right. Than, you know, it wasn't like there was the PA who handled us or whatever was like, "Ugh, these fucking." idiots they, yeah why do they get try a special treatment at all i don't understand right everybody was always like ah oh, let me see if i can find a uh, uh dressing room for you guys and it was all because tina wanted real comedy people to play fake comedy writers and she and luckily for us in that moment it, the times have changed a little bit but in that moment she's like a writer's room is all white guys it should be so- i remember them her saying yeah, we it's it's always all white guys. So yeah, we should just have a so they had like guys. me and Gavin as your two fat guys, like right. you and Fisher and Murray as your two. Well, go we, ahead, uh, Jewish. No, I was like, <laughs> maybe let me let me pump the brakes. Fisher and Murray as your two like Harvard guys, and then Nate Smith and Anthony Atamanek as your two Jewish writing guys. <laughs> we're so there could be so much more Jewish to my face. You're, like based you're on also the way we're one of the least it. Jewish Jewish guys I know. It's true. It's true. So uh, the thing is, like, I, I, the reason I say glorified background when I describe it because it was like still background. Like there were days when we got treated really well, but it was mostly just standing or mostly sitting in a room for five hours. It was, I mean, there, and sometimes we were like in a bunch with like in a lot with all the other background people and we and felt like a little privilege. You start to lose your identity a little bit. You start to blend in. And then it'd be like, oh, we're nobodies. Also like. The way we were treated by the cast really varied. It like there were days when Tina would be like really fun and jokey and like yeah and like attentive, appreciate that we were there, and then there and were then other days, days when she were... could give a shit, you right? Know? Yeah, <laughs> or like day, remember one of my favorite days was when Tracy invited us into his dressing room to watch Planet of the and Apes. we watched Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Because he was a lunatic for that movie, he, like knew it back, front. He says, and "I remember specifically because we, we were watching like that opening scene when they chase him across the plains. He goes, watch this guy in the back right here. He's yeah. gonna fall. He fell. Yeah, he definitely broke his leg.' And then you're like, what? <laughs> he like rewinds it and you watch it and like a an extra must break their leg. They yes. like fall in a hole. And I'm like, the fact that you recognize that he, I mean, you could tell he watched that movie so many times. And I think the reason Tracy liked us was because we were the only people on the on the cast that were like had the patience for him because we were happy to be talking to you yeah, know. I love him telling stories. But one day I I remember breaking the ice with him, just saying, "Hey, remember that sketch you did?" on SNL where you like were the 
the fifth Jackson or whatever. He played like whoever played the the bass and the Jackson right, right. Five. The, the Jack. He was like the sixth Jackson. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. And he was like, "You remember that sketch? That was the first sketch I ever wrote." And we just started bullshitting about SNL. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I've dreamt of this happening." It's All so cool. to do is hear your SNL and stories. I think he was a drain on a lot of other people just because, oh like, yeah. I can imagine if he's your co-star in a show, you're like, "Come on, Tracy, you don't know your lines." Yes, I remember distinctly one day. I'm not trying to throw anyone on the bus here, but. Tracy sang like the entire Pepto Bismol song, like he knew like all the lyrics. And Tina just goes to, to Tracy, so it's not behind his back. Goes, you can't memorize your goddamn lines when you know this song. <laughs> That's, I mean, witnessing stuff like that was so fun and delicious. I had a, I always thought Tina Fey was the funniest, mm-hmm. but you're like, she's a head writer. She's got Weekend Update. That's like, she's like falling into. And then when you, when I worked with her. Or near her at Thirty Rock, I guess you could say, and watching her make choices or give notes or anything, I'm like, yeah, she's fucking insanely she's, talented. She's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like so smart, so funny, and she was like, she was. I mean, it was her show. Like, it was intense the amount of work that she had to have been doing. Yeah, and then still at times would like come over and be like, do make a doodle on a notepad and yeah. like joke around with us. Yeah. Um. The other, I remember one day Alec Baldwin. Like who the same thing. Like, Alec. <laughs> same thing, like some day some days he would talk to us. And, some days and be, they would tell you not to talk. They would be yes. like just like watch Alec out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would come in and be like, All right. <laughs> You're like, oh it's cause no. his personal PA was our buddy James Coker. And he, yeah. he'd be like, mm, Yeah, not today. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> He's like, he's worked up about something. <laughs> and then it turns out the guy has a tumultuous had a tumultuous personal life and shit. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> plenty going on at the time. But I remember one day him doing like a mom monologue in in the office with Tina and we were just like way in the background waiting you know and I turned to John Murray one another one of our guys in the uh, around the table and I was like god that was so he's so good and John looks at me and goes yeah one of the greatest actors of our generation dude he's been around for 40 years I mean that's like, what you forget because you yeah. use so you get so used to him being like a SNL prop or whatever right. and then like just like this jokey celebrity yeah, yeah and then there's moments when he's like doing stuff on set and you're like oh right this is fucking Alec Baldwin this, this is you remember the monologue when he was like I've used this expression before but I've never meant it as much as I mean right now good god love it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> The best uh, best Jack Donaghy line of the entire thing is he's asking her for advice because he's got to go to a gala and he's putting on a tuxedo and he's she's like, uh, sorry, here's the oh, best yeah. I could do. He's like, don't stress. The gala's not till next week. And she's like, why are you putting on a tuxedo? He's like, good God, Lemon, it's 4 p.m. What yeah. am I, a farmer? Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the funniest fucking line. Yeah, Wait, hold like- on, I'm going to do one last memory from a uh, behind the scenes memory and tell me if you remember, if you were there this day. Uh, all the, all the, um, writers were all around the table it's liz lemon is doing something behind the scenes with scott adsit with scott adsit's character pete right hornberger mm-hmm. and people are starting to think they're dating and that's uh, a better cover than what's actually happening they're like maybe trying to do something shady with the show or whatever so they have to kind of lean into it and uh he was like the line is she's a screamer because like they're talking mm-hmm. about her having sex. They're like, yeah, we had sex, and they're like oh, lying, right. and you're like she's a screamer, and he's right. really nervous. And on one take, uh, <laughs> Scott Adsit just goes, "She's a squirter," and everyone <laughs> loses their shit. Everyone is hysterical <laughs> laughing. The whole thing breaks down for like five minutes, and Tina Fey's like, "I have a fucking daughter." <laughs> <laughs> It's just like 
her comeback, like he just said it. A room full of people. I've never been laughing. She calling your boss like it's his boss, the EP of the show. Like she's a squirter. It was the way he did it. Was so awesome. Ugh, it was a mistake, right? Didn't he? he did I think he, he did it on it? purpose. Okay. I think he was like saying uh screamer so many times he's like well this will be a funny yeah just throw this in <laughs> yeah. there and it oh. was so worth it so that it, i don't know i i would not put it on my list of best jobs it I, was just like, it was like a, oh i would never want to do it again that's yeah but it was at a time in our lives where we were all in our 20s and 200 dollars a week made a difference it was huge it made a huge difference actually i we all like kind of required that in addition to coaching and teaching it was like how we were that's, all making that's how money. i made money yeah yeah there was a time when it was like you know obviously like people moved from new york to la to pursue show business and there was a time when i was like well i got 30 rock in new york like, right i'm making enough money doing that i know and it was like it was cush a little but it was like a group of friends all getting to like work together and mostly bullshit. It was like, yeah. a, it felt like a, like an old man union job. We'd like play yeah, we kinda, Uno yeah. for five hours and they'd be like, come on guys. And be like, Oh Christ. All right, let's get out there. And then getting out there meant just sitting down. Go sit down and we somewhere. would be mad if you had to do a cross. Oh. If Espo hooked you up with a cross, you were like, nah, dude, come on. Let me just sit in the chair. <laughs> he's like, stand. on this word, cross in front of Alec. You're like, he's going to fucking kill me. No, and just let me sit down. Go anywhere near <laughs> yeah, Alec. No, no, don't move papers when Alec's talking. Yes. Like, remember that one time uh, someone was like, thumbing through a pad and he's like in the middle of a scene just walks over and knocks out <laughs> he did yeah like someone who was an extra was just like remember we had like two extras that were sometimes not just, UCB yeah. yeah not UCB guys that were sometimes around I remember one time one of them was just slowly flipping the pages in like a yellow legal pad and Alec not even breaking out of his line just comes over and goes <laughs> like so not I love that. I love that it happened and it happened to the other guy yeah, so that God. we can all be like this <laughs> asshole this guy doesn't get it we do <laughs> Uh, what was maybe your best job? Your non best non show business job. It's hard to say what your best job is once you've made like four grand for saying five things in one day. Yeah, like you know when you get really... like one insane cush job, you're like I'm done. Like I'm done. They're like thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Shit. Holy shit. Yeah. Plus, like that job was like the the work of it was like waiting and being alert for like twelve hours. Right. And it was it was it was giving up time. Yeah. It was like uh yeah you can't just hang out at home you know or you yeah. can't just pick up any other job that day because you have you have between six and 15 hours right. that you have to dedicate to. of waiting like, and, and it wasn't like every and... monday we were in it was like you got to text the day before right or even that morning sometimes right yeah um i love the days weird, when they're like we're weird job you're on tomorrow we'll text you at 11 if it's for real right. and then they call you they text you at 11 they're like it's pushed to one then they text you at one it's like it's been pushed to three and you're like and then they text you at three and they're like don't worry about it yeah don't come in and then when the next time you came in they were like because you're on hold that day and they, they give you that extra and you're like i got paid 140 bucks to just answer did, texts for didn't even day. go in yeah. yes i know that's like the fucking yeah. dream and you could have said oh, i'm sorry i'm not available that day but just by saying you were available you got paid right it was yeah. so awesome <laughs> what a weird weird job that oh, is such a weird job doing man. that um yeah, like real extra work though is like you're like I hope we get wet. I hope we have to stand outside in yeah. the rain because it's like everything pays you a little bit more. If they blast fake smoke. If you have to bring your own wardrobe, you keep getting all these little ticks. Little, a little, a ten, fifteen dollars more. Yeah, you know that. The other thing I'll say about it, and then we can move on was that that there's something so alluring about that job because there was the potential that you could become more than an extra. I think that's the reason we all really wanted to do I it. I mean, that's the reason everybody's an extra. I and suppose. And it's always incorrect. 
But on 30 Rock, it was real. It like happened. Sue, Sue happened. didn't speak yeah. and then became a character. Right. And then Anthony and Murray would each eventually get a line and as Bethany. well. Yeah. Oh, and Bethany, right. Spoke at a certain point. I forgot point. So that Bethany like, joined oh, yeah. us towards the end. Yeah. She did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, and, and it, because it was like so close, it was like adjacent to the job that we all wanted, which right. was being on Saturday Night Live. Right. And it was but like also fake was, Saturday Night Live. Right. And it was with, weird because it was like, we had to pretend to be comedians alongside actual comedians that right. we were either A, friends with, or B, looked up to. Right. Or both. And we would have to like be alongside them and be like, we're funny too, but also we're not allowed to talk or like right. really engage with them because they have other shit going on. So it's like a real and- <laughs> Stupid. It, it's, it's an insane headspace to be in. Yeah. It's an, it was a real weird job. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you can see why people say like- it's better to not take that job. You know, yeah. like if we were further along in our career, people probably would have said like, don't do that because yeah, you're yeah, not, yeah, you're yeah. going to be treated. You're like, not going to get anything out of it. Right. And you're going to be viewed as an extra. Yeah. That was, I mean, did you ever take advantage of that, of your relationship to anybody? Did you, did you ever like send a script to Tina or something? Nope. Neither did I. And <laughs> I don't, I don't really feel like I had an opening to do that. Ever. I didn't feel like I got that either. No. Um, But we could, I mean, like, I'm sure I we... did communicate with her. And, right. Like, I'm, hey, can I, I send she, you a script? She doesn't know my name or anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, she wouldn't have known. She, uh, Alec Baldwin called me William Forsyth one time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's that fucking fat, sweaty actor from, from like the 90s? 40s? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, all right. Um, everyone who listens to this podcast knows what my favorite job is because I talk about it all the time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Someone tweeted at me about this other podcast I have called Raised by TV. They were like, Raised by TV, uh, we're two episodes in and Gabrus hasn't mentioned lifeguarding yet. Because <laughs> that is the job that formed my entire, uh, it's the best job I've ever had. It's yeah. such a high paying job for a 16, 17, 18 sure. year old to have. It's ultimate job for a student because it's like they hold your job and it's yeah. there in the summer when yeah. you come home, you know, and it's. You're working at the place. By the time I was working at the beach, I was working at the place where my friends were going on their days off. I mean, and I was there already making a fortune. It's for not an 18 year old. I was thinking about it on the drive over here that like it's the most you job there could be because, <laughs> because it's, it's like at the beach. You're at the beach. You're a Long Island guy, so you're already yeah. like a I beach hate person. being dressed. Yeah, you regularly wear shorts and flip flops. You're wearing shorts and flip flops and a t-shirt right now. It's like <laughs> late November. But you're also like kind of an athlete and yeah. it involves like being capable, physically yeah. capable. And there's like a layer of, uh, it had like just the right amount of intensity for me to get into it. You know right. what I mean? As someone who's like obsessed with like cops, firemen, Navy SEALs and shit. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the lightest version because they... So you got to train. All, it's so self-important. Yeah, you yeah. got to like learn how the oxygen tank you are works. The authority. You got to yeah. learn how the rope rescues you work. CPR you got to row the stuff. boats. You got to yeah. fucking paddleboard. You got to kayak. And it's like you got to be an expert on all. The, you know, it's like it's you got to like, understand the ocean. Right. It's yeah. like all this shit that's like very fun to get into. Yeah. Sure. Especially, I grew up as like a little beach bum going to the beach every. Uh, we went to the beach five to seven days a week. My every summer from when I was six until the question mark because the beach only costs eight bucks or like my parents would like my parents would buy like the pass for the summer and be like this is going to save us a fortune we just put these kids at the beach they get tired yeah we bring them home i go to work we used to go to the beach with my dad the three boys 
he, we all had boogie boards, drive my dad, and then he had to leave for work at 1.30. My mom would get home from work at 7. Right. My dad would drive us back to the house at 1.30. We'd stand outside. He'd hose us all down in our boogie boards. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, I got to go to work. And then we'd be home for five hours by right. ourselves and be like, yeah. Just eating and Just playing, playing video, video games. games. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're like, we did our outdoor stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's a good day right there. That's, that's a, a fun day. day. That's yeah. like the days I want now. I want to just go to the beach in the morning and play video games all night. If you switch Cheez-Its with weed. Right. <laughs> and like a proper meal. Yeah. yeah switch Cheez-Its with weed and like steak and sweet potatoes. I was going to say, have a nice like balanced <laughs> protein and vegetable. The, yeah. uh, the If you were going to, sometimes I'll think about like fantasizing about giving up. Midlife crisis. Right. Yeah. I do this you all the time. switch gears. San Diego Beach lifeguard. You just go, you be a lifeguard. I'm, I'll figure out a way to get myself back in shape and just become like a 50 year old rookie lifeguard. Right. I've told Tiffany like super high at the beach watching like other people. I'm like, lifeguard. I wonder if they have part time lifeguards. Cause like that might be something I do when I'm in my 50s. Like I might be like, should I just be a part time lifeguard? It'd be like a hobby. Yeah. And do yeah. it like and make a couple of bucks and like keep myself in shape. And yeah. It'll be it. your fitness too. Yeah. There's a logic to that. I could see yeah. you doing that. Um, and then it's like, how much am I going to really be? Like, how successful of an actor am I really going to be? I'm starting to, like, have those conversations. Well, Where, like, when I originally thought I'd be, like, Will Ferrell or Jason Segel. Right. You know, and now I'm like, maybe I'll peak at, like, Hubel level, which right. is great, which right. I'm very excited to get to. But I used to think I was going to be, like, oh, like, Seth Rogen. Then I'm starting right. to think, like, eh, probably not. <laughs> well, is it, you, the longer you spend in Hollywood, the more you're like, wow, red carpet's real hard. Yeah, to get I don't that, even like to get this. to be that <laughs> famous. Yeah, exactly. I don't even want to be. Yeah. Um, oh, for shit, me, these are, there's a, there's huge swaths of this career that I do not enjoy and you, I did not know. I don't like constantly th discovering new ones where I'm like, oh, I got to put up with this also forever. I, I told Tiffany this. I've I've always hated trying on clothes because mm -hmm. I'm fat. And it mm -hmm. sucks when you're a kid, your mom brings you home something. She's like, put this on. You're like, I don't want to. I want to play. And they're like, no, stand still and try on these pants. And it's like, they don't fit. I'm too fat. So I didn't realize how much trying on clothes was in this business. And it's so stressful. <laughs> Least favorite part of being an actor, trying on clothes. It's one of, it's honestly, yeah. it's one of them. Because for me, it's always like the, the wardrobe person's looking at me like, I don't know why this doesn't fit. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's too small. I've heard other big guys talk about that. How like. They say double XL and then the costume designer gets an XL. Yeah, or it gets like, like a I European said, double XL that's right. like, and I'm like, I can't. And, and then they're kind of mad at you. They're like, yeah. Because like, I just shot something the other day and I am currently 42 waist in pants. And so I'm like, I put it down on my size card. The 42 waist pants, yeah. get them on barely, button, you know, thank God for a little stretch. <laughs> they give me the, they give me the belt and I'm like, the belt doesn't fit. And he's like, Really? Ugh, I'm like, yeah, the belt doesn't fit. He's like, on, the belt's nice. a 42. I'm like, yeah, I know. So are the pants. I got the pants on. If you're trying to say I'm lying, I have 42 pants on. The 42 belt doesn't fit. He's like, oh, Christ. Okay, uh, well, what are we going to do for the picture? I'm like, can I not have the belt on in the picture to send to the network? Can you just yeah. assume the belt, like it looks like a belt? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, let's try taping it. And it's like really a tight belt. It's like, yeah. It doesn't really like, so he's taping it and I'm like holding my stomach in and then the tape is popping and he's like, ugh. He's like, what saying? He's like, do you have a black belt at home? I'm like, I'm not sure. He's like, you're not sure? Dude, I'm like, ugh. I'm like, dude, I don't wear clothes like this. I don't own any, like, I booked, shot something the other day. It was, not, it was like a college humor video. They're like, can you bring a suit in? I was like, I have one suit and it's for a wedding and I just had a wedding on Saturday. It's dirty. It's nasty. Right. Yeah. 
It's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah. <coughs> the little discoveries, of I things like that. In this, and if yeah. that's the worst thing about your career, you you know, you're living a blessed life. True. It's just yeah. one a mild annoyance. Oh, I I'm also hate more constant in terms rejection. Of like the, the, I was going to say more existential side of it of yeah. like, wow, I'm never going to validate myself in this career ever because I'm always going to want more. But you understand why even guys like George Clooney get into like tequila or like oh, uh, yeah, Harrison dude. Ford gets in the planes. Everyone's, I mean, granted, it's a lot of the times it's because you have this extra money to burn. You're like, let me invest. Or let me get a crazy hobby. But it's also like when I was playing rugby in New York City, I was like, there is no rejection in like sports it's like yeah. such a blatant obvious meritocracy it's like ha- i'm not as good as that guy having I'll play something backup. else yeah. Having, yeah and it's, then it's also it's like honest it feels honest because show business is it, there's no it's not a meritocracy you can't point to something and be like well because i put in the work yeah i and you can't was, say like i am objectively a better actor or funnier than this person yeah because that, that often doesn't even matter to the it doesn't yeah matter. yeah and so much of what has contributed to my success has been everything about Hollywood that people sneeze at because it's like, I don't, I knew the director, you know, right. like, I mean, I've only booked things because the, the person knows me, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it feels dishonest. And when I think of that's the part when I'm like, Oh, I want, if I gave up, if I ever just got disgusted and was like, I just don't want to do it anymore. It feels bad. The, I just always think sandwich out. Oh I, yeah. That's like, I mean, first of all, once you move to LA too, you're like, this town needs a fucking sandwich Honestly, shop. Honestly. <laughs> I was like, where's the good Italian deli? Let's, get I don't Santa- let's me, you, Santangeli, and Gavin go four ways oh, on a fucking how good a time East Coast that be? sandwich shop. Yeah. Who of the four of us, who's putting in the orders to the purveyors? Like, we need like a case of tomatoes. That and- sounds like a Santangeli job. You think so? Uh, of the four of us, none of us. The four people I chose happen to be four of the least like driven, <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like to actually start like who can we trust to get that done? It's like I don't even know. Gavin has like a fucking bubblegum case for a phone, right? <laughs> Santangelo would have the relationships probably. Yeah, he's he probably know knows everybody. all the guy. I got yeah. a much guy. <laughs> so that's that's a that because that's something that comes to your mind. It's like, can I actually keep going at this full time? It's like, do I want something that enriches my life? Yeah, just feel that's part of the sandwich shop thing. Is that like I know I'll just you know, talk to people all day and right like, and set them up, and make them happy, and that feels like that's the version of being a therapist that I want. Well, like without a having shop, to go to school, a sandwich shop has a huge appeal if you're running it, and then like two days a week you're auditioning, and like one day a week yeah. you're shooting something. Like yeah, yeah then, that, yeah, that, then the sandwich really... shop sounds awesome. But if you're just straight up in the sandwich shop and fucking you know like. Tim Curcio comes in. <laughs> You're like, well, that's hey a, man, how's like anyone? I wouldn't do it here. I, <laughs> yeah, I'd be right. like, I gotta get out of LA because that would be the whole thing. I'd be like, I don't want to be a participant in in showbiz anymore. And LA is showbiz, so yeah, it would I can't have imagine to be myself leave. giving up completely though. To be honest, no matter how bad it gets, really, I feel like I've put Forever. in enough time that I will always, hopefully, do some small part of it. You know what I mean? Like I'll always be like, yeah, every once in a while, like. uh, Adam Pally makes a huge movie and I get to have a line in it. You know, like right. I'm like the equivalent of like Andy Samberg's high school buddy, you know? Right. Hey, relax. <laughs> Arthur's like, move on. He does this thing where he just takes his little snub nose and smashes it into things that are kind of in his way. And if they don't move, he's like, that's weird. And he just keeps like he's Bumping moved it. chairs across like just by fucking bashing it with his little snub nose. Uh, <laughs> I'm we in are, charge. We did say we didn't want to talk about showbiz. We are yeah, 42 we're, minutes. We're in deep into it. That's all we've talked about. about. And 
It's funny for us to even talk about showbiz because our level of experience in it is like yeah, so it's nothing. Like, <laughs> all right, well, let's like move I've been on. doing it for 15 years, but I just have almost nothing to yeah. show for it. I've the only thing I have going for me is that I'm still in it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't given up. Right. I am still doing it. That's what know? makes me think I'm not going to give up at 50 because I can't imagine it ever getting. I, guess, I mean, it's I like guess a it could get way it's like worse. Thinking about lifeguarding or thinking about like owning my own sandwich. It's like a fantasy to get out of this, like the doldrums that I feel about yeah. my, when I'm, when I'm just feeling down. Um, imagine just, but like I probably won't, you know, month five of owning your sandwich shop. The person's like, are you the spectrum guy? Like, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah I used I'm to be. <laughs> yeah, now I make fucking prosciutto. So they didn't renew my contract. <laughs> yeah. I moved on. Uh, the, uh, but I think that's something like also to think about if you get to be like medium successful, uh, uh, you know, medium well successful opening that sandwich shop. So it's just something to like occupy your mind that yeah, isn't the, waiting yeah. to hear back about stuff. Like that to me is the appeal of these like second having um, another thing. Yeah. yeah. I met Ty Burrell and he was like, oh, I just opened a bar in Oregon with my brother. And I was like, oh, that's cool. See, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's the kind of shit I want to be doing. The, uh, I, uh, my favorite That's the kind of shit you could do on season nine of your of sitcom. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the fucking real advantage there. The, the Ty, by the way, well, it's his story. The, uh, my favorite job was at a pizza place in, in college. Really? I did it for three years and I, Where'd I you loved go to school it. again? I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, but the reason I say sandwich job is because it would basically be the same job without the burns. Cause I got yeah, burned hot. Yeah. So much. Oh. Uh, constantly like my wrists constantly. so not a delivery guy you were making pizza i sometimes would deliver but like that wasn't their main thing it you was were mostly a counter guy they would deliver to the university a lot because they would do orders of like 15 pizzas you know like for, for like a, yeah drama club a van or whatever, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so and then i there was like a weird feeling of like rolling up to the like you know science building with like 15 pizzas and i was like exactly. i was just here at a class astronomy. oh yeah it's kind of weird but but also it felt i also felt like yeah, but you all, I'm working. You know, like I'm. I always my respect. Ass. I always respect people who work while they're away at college. Like yeah. that's like a, that's like a, like I did that too. I feel like that's a little bit of a hustle move. Like it just was, it just had cash. Like it was so helpful. Yeah, well, to have money. I used to like that. That was another reason why I like lifeguarding so much. I would make such good money over one summer. Yeah, and then barely spend it because I'm at the beach forty hours a week. Yeah, and then I would come home. Oh, and I was bartending in summers too. I was just making a fortune for like a kid who had no overhead. Yeah. And I would just go back to college and I'd be like, well, I have forty eight hundred dollars in savings. Yeah. Like, like this could last me to winter. You yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah. Have a meal now and then the uh Right. But I would I, I was a bartender and uh bar back and like bouncer and shit like I that. I did yeah. you did you bounced too? Yeah, just like Monday nights at like on a low key, not like a Friday it was more, night at yeah, the club. more like it was like a there's like this bar slash pizzeria that I I Bouncing is probably ah. the wrong word. Checking Check IDs. IDs, yeah. But allegedly supposed to be security if anything happened. But like the night I worked was so like soft and not scary. So you never broke up fights or anything. I never broke up fights. Yeah. No, uh, that would I've been me. in like a handful of bar fights yeah. <laughs> while working, but never. <laughs> we I broke up a bar fight with John Flynn one time. What? And 
got punched in the face. That's it, the only time in my adult life I've been punched in the face. The job where I was a bouncer was at a bar called Foxhole and was owned by these two crazy Albanian guys. And one day they were like, you think you're fucking strong or whatever? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm a jock. I play rugby. I lift weights. And they were like, well, you can't fuck. And then I fought like the two owners. Like they wrestled me in like the kitchen. And then I was like kind of holding my own. And then they started getting like worse and worse. Dirt. Oh, did they get started getting dirty. dirty. Like one guy had like his arm around my throat. Yeah. So I like took one guy by his shirt and like threw him to the side into like a big uh one of those like metal tables with like a bunch of pots and pans on it and knocked everything Clang, down smash. and everyone was like what's going on in there and like one owner of the restaurant's got his arm around my neck yeah. and the other owner's on the floor next to a table and tips dude, over and dude. they're like people are like what the fuck and these guys are like you're describing a scene in like a born movie I know I got fired <laughs> They like they were like, uh, well, we don't need you next Monday, and then they texted me and were like, you're out, dude. <laughs> so what they wanted you to do was like let you. They wanted I think you to they wanted let to them be alphas over me, yeah. and I. And it wasn't like it felt like joking at first because this is the early 2000s when adult men would like always like or college guys were always like grabbing each other's necks or balls Dude. and it's like you'd just be like is at the bar of- and your buddy would like straight up like i had friends like college roommates i'd be like talking to a girl and a buddy would like run across the bar lower his shoulder and just like cream me into the fence that i'm standing well, was that because it was early 2000s or because that's just what you do when you're 21 or i think it's a combination of both i think like people are a little less overall like violent and touching than they I mean I don't know what the college scene is to be yeah I haven't hung out with a 21 year old but I remember just being like not legally allowed to hang out with 21 year old push me in the chest we used to do a thing where whoever fell asleep first we would walk over and just punch them in the face like not super hard but like this hard like right in the hard enough to wake them up and "Ah." hurt and it would be like so I, stupid. What I used are we to sleep with? with my hand on the wall. I had this weird habit because I put my arm, I always sleep with my arm underneath my pillow. Mm-hmm. So I used to sleep with my arm under my pillow and my hand on the wall like High this. High-fiving an imaginary just person. Just pressing to the wall. And my roommates would punch that hand. Uh, they would like hit that hand with like a fucking licorice. You know, like they, whatever they could find, they would just yeah. like whip my fucking hand with or like uh, th- like throw a beer can at it. Like, cause it was just always on the wall and like a perfect target. I lived with monsters. I just think, I mean, I did dumb shit like that too. I, I always hypothesize that when you're young and you get drunk and you're sexually frustrated because you're in your early 20s and you're not regularly having sex. It's fuck or the fight. The equivalent is yeah. for a straight man is to just wrestle and like, yeah. you know. <laughs> and just come a little bit. Yeah, just, just get a little <laughs> bit of a chub. Just get a little cum coming out while you're wrestling your boys. <laughs> Nothing gay. Because <laughs> you're going home from just the a bar little pre, hammered. You've just been pre, like. Pre-eject. Nothing couldn't, <laughs> couldn't bring yourself to talk to anybody because you're terrified little I mean boy. that's what that's why straight men are awful yeah right like that's like the thing I know everyone always says like it's the hot button item now to say straight white men are awful or whatever you know everyone's awful in their own way but straight men have this thing where it's like fuck or fight you right. know where it's like I just need to something it's like this weird like holdover from being like every guy believes himself to be like a Spartan or something right. you know like where right. it's like I need to fuck or I need to fight it's like <laughs> just... well both are kind of like not up to you <laughs> you know like exactly but then when you find you're like oh well one of my buddies will fight me yeah you know like <laughs> right? yeah because if you don't actually want to get in like a, and we got in our fair share of just like straight up rumbles where you're like come on like we why like are we all fighting in, our, in yeah. the drywall in our apartment and stuff uh, the rugby house used to be brutal we used to do two on two 
full-blown fist fights where you try not to punch in the face yeah we would be like taking body shots and like wrestling and hitting people with like throwing people on the hoods of cars headbutting sheetrock we were just fucking monsters so yeah. dumb what a weird weird life what a weird time and then it turns out that's not everybody's college experience. Like it doesn't yeah. even sound like it would be the Wesleyan college experience, based on if you know, like knowing what you know about Wesleyan. That that was less my college experience and more like twenty right post college one right? to yeah. twenty four. <laughs> yeah, uh, when yeah, I used I, to like I, I get blackout it. drunk three times a week. <laughs> yeah, and- when, the second I moved to New York City, and I was like, I don't have a car. I'm just fucking getting shit faced with all these new comedy friends and all these like new yeah, weirdos. Co- yeah, taking yeah. in this new life of a, and a mix of like this is exciting and i'm free and liberated and and I'm i could terrified. get a six packs of, of meister brow and these are the worst years i have no money how am i gonna make rent yeah i'm like, buying rice and beans at bonita on bedford avenue what, for two what were your job, first jobs out of college my first job you went to marist i went to marist yeah. college i interned on i love the 90s part do oh right at, at vh1 at vh1 and okay. then i was a pa on a couple of shows and and then eventually best week ever for a while when right. i when I, we both worked in like because you worked in docs right i was in documentaries yeah yeah i was mostly editing like my first jobs were like all night logging yeah like loading and, and logging yeah. yeah what was your uh what were your high school jobs did you have any like yeah uh like from elementary on i mowed lawns in pennsylvania in the poconos um, that's like that was your thing it was like i lived in like a community with a bunch of families you know and there was like a private road by a lake and stuff and and uh there was a kid who started a business mowing lawn, like all the lawns around the lake and then he, my brother inherited that business, and then I inherited it from him. Oh, cool! So you were just like working at it as a kid, and then running it by the or, or like yeah. I mean, it, it was like they call it a business, but it's just like I I mowed the short these ten lawn houses and the yeah. beach <laughs> house lawn yeah. and the yeah and uh, and they they're just happy to be like you for your brother to go up there and be like my brother's gonna take over yeah. same amount of money nothing changes same weeks same, yeah, yeah, yeah it was all exactly for the them same. it's like great fine whatever who cares? and i would like go i remember like one summer just doing it with him like i would do all the push and he would do all the ride stuff you know yeah. all the ride more <laughs> and then uh and then he was like you just do it after this because by that point he was probably like waiting tables or something yeah. where he made more money my uncle was a landscaper and we would uh he well what a landscaper he owns a landscaping company and we would pick up shifts like with him like he because he also does like light contracting so it would be like hey we gotta like tear down all the sheetrock in this and in, right. in, in, insulation in this house over Chris over winter break when you're home from college I can give you eighty dollars a day cash yeah. uh come, I did the same thing exactly and I'm just like a lot of painting, hungover as fuck. Taking, uh, taking Zenadrin to give me like What's you know like Zenadrin, the like uh, caffeine. It's like a thermogenic. It was like you know like a weight loss yeah. uh, drug, but I was taking it just like for the caffeine, right? Because I wasn't drinking coffee at the time, and I would be out partying till four, and he would pick me up at like six thirty. to go, what and a I, nightmare! And I'd be like, "Here's the thing: we worked on this one house, and then by the time we had all the walls out, yeah, the it looked like you know it still had plumbing." The toilet was just like in the middle of a huge room. Right, studs. And I was just hungover like every day from drinking beer all night. I would have to take shits like in front of like the crew. Like people are just working. I'm just sitting on the toilet in a huge fucking, and it's like loud and stinks. And it's just like. And they know you were drinking because that's an acidic, acrid shit. Oh, yeah, because my uncle would pick me up in the morning and I'd be like dead eyed and he'd yeah. be like you're right and I'm like smashing yeah, a good, Gatorade good. and a yeah. bacon egg and cheese and then like popping pills and shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm good just let me do two lines of coke real quick I'm ready to rock. I'm <laughs> set tell I forgot my work gloves I'll work with no gloves all day and with the insulation have like fucking hives all over your hand and shit the uh, the, uh my, I did have a beach job 
at uh, a couple, I guess, but the main one was at a movie theater down in, I used to go to Delaware beaches, Femic Island, Delaware. Oh, when you say beach shop, did you like, did your family have like a, they went to the Delaware for the whole summer or we, something like my, that? My uh, cousins and my aunt and uncle lived there. They, oh. would, they would like spend half a year in, in Delaware and half a year in Maryland. And, uh, and you guys would like, we would, would go, we would vacation there every summer, you know, yeah. Delaware beaches, super underrated beaches. They're beautiful. Yeah. Um, they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you would go there for like 10 weeks. Like I, that. that summer I did for when I was 15. That oh, was like, you were like, I'll get a summer job down there and stay with your aunt and uncle. And yeah. My cousin who was my age and, and like hang out and have a great beach summer. And it was amazing. summer, super great summer. <laughs> I have a group of friends, former guests of the podcast from the paranormal episode, Tyler Haynes. His family owned a restaurant in um, Cape Cod mm-hmm. and like a little inn. And he, he got like the mom, the mom and dad own like a little piece of a house on that property that has like one bedroom with like six bunk beds in it. And like, oh, you know, yeah, like bunk house. And it's like a trash. It's like a, a not trashy, but like a crash place. They have like a full blown house there. And then so this guy, Tyler, got like and these guys all ended up becoming good friends of mine. Him and like six of his closest friends would all find random jobs in Cape Cod for the summer. And mm-hmm. half of them did landscaping. A couple of people worked at restaurants. But they would that's, all go live in this bunkhouse at one of the dude's houses same, for the entire same summer. Thing. It's like, that's the fucking, yeah. um, that's an amazing experience. That was that's all our of, pilot. <laughs> I know. It probably, well, it hasn't, I guess it was the same by the bell or whatever. Right, right. The, that's uh, what it was. The yeah. Malibu Sands. They all go yeah. stay there. The uh, All of my cousin, older cousins did that. And they were the coolest. Like right. the, They were the ones who like, introduced me to all kinds of music and, and beer and like yes you <laughs> yeah know, i definitely like, was drinking for the first time with them and yeah that's like the boarding cool. and uh and then just being at the beach and like meeting girls for the first time and like kissing and stuff yeah and, and it's um, also like you work five four days a week five days a week at the movie theater it's like what do you do on the day off it's like you go to the fucking beach dude you're in a yeah. beach town it's like a great- and then we would go to the movie theater like we would just bring four beers in our belt, like tucked into our pants oh. and go to the movie theater and watch movies and at night. And discount tickets. <laughs> yeah, and go for free. I would just roll in. Uh, that was the summer with Forrest Gump and Airheads and oh, my Lion two King movies. and Clear and Present Danger. I probably saw Clear and Present Danger like 15 times. I ain't fought on no snare drum. <laughs> for all we know, it could just be Pip farting on a snare drum. I ain't, I ain't farting, farting on no snare drum. drum. I love that fucking movie. The cast movie. of Airheads is an insane cast. I, the the strangest when you think back, you're like, oh yeah, Joe Montana was in that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, Steve Buscemi's in that movie. Oh yeah, Cr- Michael Richards. Yes. <laughs> How bizarre. Michael McKean. Oh yeah. Uh, Milo, Milo, Milo. Milo, oh. Milo, Milo. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, peak comedy Fraser. I know. He's doing great in it too. Yeah, he's not not funny in that movie. No, he's not. And then Sandler is like a fucking side character. Chris was, Farley has like a bit part in it. Who was Farley? I don't remember. He's the cop. He's like, I will rip out your nipple oh, rings. Yeah, yeah, like he's yeah, the cop yeah, who's like yeah. investigating from the outside. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Judd Nelson is like the villain. Kind yes, of. yes, yeah. with this little flavor scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit, that cast. If you do not like- sign this contract, me <laughs> and all the lawyers from Palatine, we walk. <laughs> yeah. When they go, when the gun breaks and the hot sauce comes out and they get caught at that moment. It's a fake so gun. <laughs> it's a fake gun. I was edited at a school magazine. I played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> 
both of us clearly have a lot of references from this movie and neither of us they're not landing for either person no and both of us are like i'm like wait what part are you talking about it's funny you remember like whatever you remember clear and present danger which one is that that's harrison ford i know that's the jack ryan but which one he it's the one when uh is it end with like the summer house with like the cliff with the boat chase or is that patriot games i think that's i don't think i've ever seen patriot games So I don't think it's that one. It's the one where they're doing a, a Central American or North South American like infiltration to ch- to do regime change or like take out a drug kingpin. Oh, is it with the sniper, the guy, that Latino guy with the big ears who's in like who, every who, movie? Yeah, what's his, what's that? That dude's awesome. He's so good. He's um, in everything. He was in, uh, he's in Criminal Minds. Breaking Bad too. Yeah, he played Tuco. Right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wish I had that guy's name. Yeah, we brought we talk about him all the time on Action Boys. He's in The Rock. He's in like a he lot of kicks great, ass. That guy. He's so dope. Um, he always plays a military guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was the first time I saw him, and he was yeah. like, "Oh, this dude." That's the one where it's awesome. like. Where is the sniper? And it's like, yeah, he's right, he's and like he's five right feet in front of, in front of him. Yeah, so what the awesome. hell? <laughs> How did you get so close? Um, yeah, that's that movie. Okay, I love, I that, love movie. that movie. That guy, uh, I saw him one time at Griffith Park, and I, I like they're shooting an episode of Criminal Criminal Mind. I think is the show he's on, and I really wanted to be go over and like fangirl on him. Oh. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure he's got a lot of like mid 30s white dudes who are like, you're in, you're Dude, in ten of my ass. favorite action movies. Yes. <laughs> that's there's a line in that movie when they're like, we have a mission for you, and it's to do this thing. And it's completely off the books. And then he goes, "What's in it for me?" And they're like, "After this, your choice is special ops." It was like it was like a promotion. Your choice is special ops, yeah. and he like has a little smirk, and that's when they cut on. And I was like, "Oh, it's so, so awesome. cool, so fucking." And then cool. he goes alone, and he like, "Oh, it's just a cool thing of him infiltrating." Willem Dafoe is like running the right, operation. right. Yes, I remember now. I remember. Yes, and he's like in an apartment. It's I remember just, the rest of that now. I should watch that movie again now that sometimes when I watch spy movies, I think. Born just changed the way we think about spy movies. Like yeah. you can't go back to a movie that doesn't make you feel overwhelmed. Right. You know, the thing about Jack Ryan, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, so forgive me if you've heard this theory before. The thing that makes Jack Ryan so fun is that he's not cap- he's not physically capable. Yeah. But he's then the a, new like Jack Ryan with Chris Pine is like he's an ex Marine Force recon who's hurt, so he's a badass. Like Born is like an in, like a superhero. Right. Like I miss like the best ones I've always thought were like uh, the parallax view uh, three days of the condor. Yeah. Yeah. These like uh, spy dramas and all of the Jack Ryan uh, novels and movies are like that where it's like a crazy spy drama, but it's like the analyst is dropped into like uh, a specialist. He's a little, he's a little pushed out of his comfort zone. Right. And that's like the most fun. uh, It's like smarts versus like badasses. Right. Even, uh, Homelet, Carrie Matheson, is like kind of a superhero. Like, yes, yeah. She's like a genius, you know, like thinks differently. And is completely without fear. <laughs> like, yeah, I, pretty I, much. I, yeah. I stopped watching after like a couple of seasons, but it's like, it started to drive me crazy. It was like, you, you don't want to just like drive into Iraq by yourself. And it's like, <laughs> I was thinking about that recently. I was like, she's, she's always like, just set up a quick meeting with Hezbollah. Yeah, and she's you know? like, walks in with like her little like uh, th- the hijab on. I've, yeah. If that's the proper term, I'm sorry. Comes hijab. With her, like, what? Hijab. Hijab. Yeah, hijab. Hijab wasn't there. No. Um, <laughs> I've made that mistake too. I've made it before. She walks in with her uh, headdress on and is like, uh, uh, yes, it's me, the the White Widow or whatever. It's like, come right. on, yeah, the White just, Widow. How this yeah. get all set up? Yeah. Um, did you have any really shitty, weird jobs when in those tw- in our twenties when we were broke? Like, I one time had to dress up as Benjamin Franklin 
Didn't Oof. have to. Obviously, I took the gig to dress right. up as Ben Franklin for a UPenn fiftieth alumni party. Okay, and like sit at a UPenn uh, at the UPenn house with like all hoity-toity ex-UPenn grads and like take photos. Did you do an accent and stuff? I was like, a penny saved is a penny wow. earned. And I was just like- That was I, the one thing you knew I, that I, he I said. I read like, I, I just said like 10 different Ben Franklin quotes that I had printed on a sheet of paper over and over again and take photos. Apparently there's a famous bench at UPenn where Ben Franklin's sitting in yeah. a specific pose with a- uh, Kane and I they set up a bench and I like everyone took pictures with me and I'm like a bald cap on and I'm like a 23 year old fucking like 24 year old struggling actor who's like all right 200 bucks for yeah I was the gonna say night. make 200 yeah. bucks and you fly or they drove you down to Philly or something no this uh, the UPenn uh, alumni house is in Manhattan oh. there's like that you know like for like Super nerdy. It's like the social club hoity for like the, yeah, exactly. A lot of dark oak. A lot of it, yeah. it is like skull and bones type yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You pan in the old American yeah, school. Yeah, it's got it's got like you know it's like Ivy League adjacent in yeah. their like uh, belief system and shit like that. The I uh, I did a lot of catering at that time. I um, remember that because you were doing catering while we were at uh, Thirty Rock too. I feel like could have been. I feel I, like, it or was like you were, a, it, I would make good money, right? Because you, yeah. you, I think, if I remember correctly, by the time we were at Thirty Rock, you were doing less of it, but taking the good money ones, or or I'm thinking of Murray, because Murray, oh, I think he was might doing have done to, that then, because he was doing it uh, for a while too. He might have done that then. I yeah. feel like I had. We were all doing like, that you, point. you know, acting's a weird business when you get jealous of someone who's like, I got this thing. It's every Friday night. It yeah. pays me 175 bucks. It doesn't interfere with auditions. It's and, true. And you're jealous of like a catering gig. You'd hear about somebody who's like, yeah, sometimes I like do the books for my wife's job. And, yeah. You know, and it's 10 hours a week. I do it from home. They right. give me a couple hundred bucks. You're oh, like, God, you're like oh, what a sweet for gig. That. What a sweet thing. I would kill for Like I'm constantly trying to find. Such I, a weird cobbled I'm together I'm 35 career. years old. I'm like struggling i don't i don't get i don't do enough work in the business i'm in and i think to myself if i just had one bartending shift a week if i just like and then like i said that to tiffany one time she's like you'd be exhausted and your like feet would hurt like yeah you'd hate yeah you would hate you would like it twice and then you'd be like i don't want to be like every wednesday night you know i'd have to like turn down like you know and then it's like but if you were just making like 200 extra bucks cash a week you could like it's funny man 200 bucks really goes a long way you know no shit cash that's like 400 dollars a week it's true <laughs> that's true if you're taking cuz when you when you look at your paycheck from a job and it's got your 10% from an agent 10% from a manager 5% yeah. from a lawyer and taxes you're like i should just work off the books of cash for Dude, somebody not only that but i'm i'm thinking out loud here but like when i got paid in cash and I had a wad of cash, it would be that much. That's how much money I had. Right. You know, like, so I would live to within my means, knowing I had $160 and I needed to get through the rest of the week. Right. All my meals, if I was going to booze, like, anticipate that what that was going to be like. Yeah. I used to buy a six pack sometimes and, like, go to a bar and get one beer and then just like, refill it with six pack. Oh, beer you would, like, sneak pack. it in? Yeah, I'd like have it in my bag or something. Jesus, that's fucking awesome. I I would I drink. Was, I would I like was broke. Man. I would drink like a six pack and then go to the bar and buy one. Beer. Yeah, I would do that. Too. Yeah, of course. Pre gaming was like how you survive. Yeah, uh, but then that's why people are so shit faced at bars because you're like, I did I five shots of beers. Cuervo yeah. before we walked in, <laughs> so I could get. Because li- I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna try to not buy too many drinks, and then you're wasted buying drinks. <laughs> what a weird. Oh, Stupid dude, that's life. so. Uh, I remember when I the summers when I was lifeguarding and bartending, white trash Wednesdays and bladder buster Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would bladder busters. Bladder busters. Ten dollars all you can drink until the drink first until person pee. Bladder busts. Drink until one person has to pee. Oh, it was free until somebody pees. Yeah, it was ten dollar cover pee? penny beers. Yeah. So free until someone had to pee. There was a bouncer in front of the bathroom, and uh, who. Who? It would always be some girl because guys would be like ostracized. Oh, like, I'm going to barrel through this and get a fucking infection. You're yeah, right. Yeah. People, well, th- my friends, yeah. my friends that I was, I'm giving them beer. Yeah. My friends are pulling out their dicks, leaning into the bar like, right. hey, uh, yeah, Peeing what about? And they're glass. just urinating on the side of the bar. like oh, right. Was it outside? No. Jesus. <laughs> I had like five friends who were like, I'm like, how are you guys still? Dude, I pissed right here. Some people would, you were allowed to. You can leave, but if you want to come back in, you had to pay the cover. Yeah. So some friends ra- or some people, rather than get bagged for being the person who broke the bladder buster, yeah. would go outside, piss, pay $10 to come back in and try to start smashing beers again. Oh. So they would pay like a $20 cover. They put a fake mustache on. Yeah. Hello, well, Sal. Yeah, I have not been inside yet. I would just be like, I don't know how people are not. Well, whatever. I would make so much cash from those two nights. Bartend- so much cash. It was probably right. like 100 bucks cash each night or whatever. Uh, some nights were re- really good. And I would live off that cash until the next bartending job. But then I was lifeguarding 40 hours a week, and that money was just going into a fucking account. Yeah, you could keep that money. I yeah. would, sp- I would dri- on the drive home from every bartending shift, I would stop at 7-Eleven. It's 4.30 in the morning. I would buy like um, these like those weird spinning hot foods that they had there, like, like you know, a like a chicken tube. Oh, like with, a, r- a sausage roll. Yeah, like a thing. sausage yeah. roll type, ham and cheese, like in a yeah. stuffed breadstick or whatever. I'd buy like two of those, two vitamin waters, and like $50 worth of scratch-offs and just go back <laughs> to my fucking house and like smash two vitamin waters, eat them in my bed, go to sleep at like 5.40, and then wake up at 7 to go lifeguard the next day. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know, you go to lifeguard. Yeah. We, hey, but you could do like that never... when you were fucking 20. You could go yeah, on two hours sleep off. for a week. We talked about that before, you and me. That yeah. like when you're 21 and you're 22 and you get drunk, you the hangover is so different. Yeah, where it, you'll sleep and you'll wake up and you won't be hungover. You'll feel all right, but you also wouldn't make a nine o'clock class or whatever right, in college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's like or older, you'd always make that nine o'clock class, but you'd but you be feel miserable. like shit. But you can yeah. get up. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we were talking about when you're older, like because that was like with Thirty Rock, it's like six a.m. call time. It's like no way I should be able to do that. But you can when you're older because you're like understand responsibility. Yeah, you're grown. I'd be in college like sleeping through eleven a.m. classes. You know, ridiculous. (laughs) We bartending was never fun. My bartending jobs were either catering at like weddings and stuff, which was a fucking nightmare because it would you just watch people poison themselves, you know, in (laughs) suits and then go try think they're great dancers. And there's like and it's like weddings is like people from all over the age spectrum yeah, it really it's was like, the thing they have in common is family not like they chose to go to this one bar like yeah. a, like a bar i worked at like trashy college bars so it's all 20 year old chicks and dudes and yeah, everyone's I'd hot never it's had like that that's like a fun bartending yeah, it's a nightmare fun. for its own in its own way but it's at but, least you don't have they, to watch like a 50 year old man like fall down yes. you know like which is like that was it <laughs> and like i remember like one wedding in particular being having a dude just crush screwdrivers oh and i'm just thinking like you've had like 11 of these dude you must have had a quart of orange juice yeah and just being like there's so much acid in your stomach right now that's like the old man mentality though because i remember uh one bar in college rennie's pub used to be 50 cent uh well drinks on mm-hmm. thursday nights mm-hmm. so you get two jack and cokes for a dollar or two whiskey and cokes right so it was evan was williams or some right. shit yeah. yeah so it's like and then you tip a dollar so for two dollars you got two and i would be like i had 10 jack and cokes tonight yeah. 
That's insane. Because so now, gross. if I had ten cups of soda, I would of Coke, I would feel I would yeah. be sick for a month. Be miserable. <laughs> right? It's no funny. less there's whiskey. This, there's this balance in like our in that era of our lives that we're talking about. That's where we're like destroying our bodies and like fight fighting because we're not capable of having uh, communicating with a woman. Right. The uh, uh, eating terribly, not getting enough sleep. Uh, yeah, it's and, almost like if like aliens watched that uh, years of people's lives, they'd, they'd be, be like, like, "What are what you it, doing?" But I, it's like rum guess, <laughs> Like if I was gonna think kind of like philosophically about it, it'd be because I I was adjusting to what it was to be responsible, and I didn't like it. Now you swing, so you like, swing pretty wildly. Yes, yeah. I, I and I, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but like I lived in a pretty strict household, and like I kind of like didn't have a lot of freedom. I was always grounded and always mm-hmm. getting in trouble for minor bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then when I went away to college, I was like, oh, just don't do anything really bad. Mm-hmm. It's like you learn when you learn that it's like I got in trouble at home for, you know, leaving the fucking back door open when I went out. Like right. that shit you don't get in trouble for anymore in right. college where you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot a book. They're not going to write a letter to your mom and like yeah. you're not going to call your house. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I wasn't a bad kid at yeah. all. Yeah. Holy shit. Look at these monsters. I'm going to stretch out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now yeah. I can like, oh, I'll go get shit faced. This is oh, my shit. version yeah. of adulthood. Yeah. I could do this. I'm, and, yeah. And then you swing way too far one yeah. way. And then it, you, it takes you like six years to come back around to be it, like, yeah. I need to stay in tonight. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> the first time you choose to stay in in your life is like a bold choice. When, it, someone, yeah. when your friends are all going out and you're like, honestly, I have something at 10 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to just stay in. And, and you choose like, to be responsible. Yeah, it's yeah. like a huge, like you feel like a monk. <laughs> you know, you feel like, right? like in that <laughs> moment when you say life. something like that, you feel like I am the holiest person alive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I feel now if I wake up early to exercise, which is so infrequent, but I want it to be more frequent. Yeah. But if I get up at 7.30 in the morning and go lift weights at 8.30 in the morning and I'm back here at 10 o'clock and yeah. I'm done, I feel like I am truly a king. And we, we were talking about this a little bit before we got on mic, but that's something I'm like, I feel so much better psychologically, physically, confidence-wise that I should do that right. every day. And the, I still don't, you know? The Well, it's, you got you to gotta do it. Right. I yeah. know that's the thing. It's like... I haven't swung back to that yet. <laughs> there, the, the thing I feel like is true for me is like I regularly will operate in the responsible space. And then every so often I'll be like, I want to fucking burn this to the ground. I hate this life. This is real. This is too real. Yeah. I can't stand it. I don't like that I have to do live this way. Right. And even the like sandwich shop, that's still like in the realm of reality. I'm talking right. about like, I just want to fucking give the fuck up. This is hard being a grown up, you know? Right. Yeah. You're just like, oh, like, that's why I think people fantasize about like, oh, when I'm super wealthy, I want to live for a month in Costa Rica. You know, like, that's the kind of shit I think about. Right. And I think it's all like you're talking about, because I just want like, what if I had 30 days where I had like no responsibility, you know? I think it's, the reality is it's just personality. Like, it never goes away. If I was, if I was doing sandwich shop, if I was doing catering if i was doing right i would just have this instinct to like we'll never be happy yeah i'll never <laughs> be satisfied which i think is a blessing and a curse because never being satisfied means you always want more so right. you'll always keep hustling so there's ambition. but then you never fully get like i was talking about this the other day i wanted i've been wanting to work i, I you know it's been a couple of months without like a solid job that wasn't something i fucking bust my ass to get went on this stupid commercial audition it's an internet commercial i booked it i'm like oh okay and it ends up being like a pretty shitty day of work everyone's kind of an asshole and it kind of sucks and i'm like 
I'm begging for something like this. Yeah. And I get it and I hate it. And, yeah. and I'm like, it's never enough. What's oh yeah, what's yeah. my problem, dude? Yeah. Like and I'm like, what the fuck? Can't I just be happy? And that's something I'm like trying to work on. Yeah, that's therapy. Yeah. yeah. The two things I'm trying to work on is be happy in the now and not be like, oh man, I wish I had this thing that's a little bit better than what I currently have, which is our entire careers. And then the other thing I'm trying to do better, and again, I've said this on the podcast before, but is I'm trying to think about 24 hours from now, Gabrus. 72 hours from yeah, now, Gabrus. Week yeah. from now, Gabrus. Not even big picture yet. Oh, I just, just need to make a decision. Right I need now. to make decisions. Yeah, exactly. I can't I, I, I make decisions like I'm in a black room that I don't know when I'm getting out of. Like I'm like, oh sick. This thing is in front of me. Do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, like that early exercise thing or avoiding gluten. You know? Right. If I skip gluten, I feel better the next day. And it's like one of those things where it's like, fuck, dude, I have to make the right choices. And I'm still just not doing it. But I, mean, I finally know the right choices I need to make. So hopefully that's like counts as a step closer. <laughs> you you got to. Well, I mean, that's thinking big picture, right? Is like accepting the things you need. Right. Because to... it's like it's not fun to wake up early and go to the gym. But I feel so awesome after for the whole day. I mean, and it's like, why would I not do that? It's something that feels so good. It's weird because I choose to jerk off, which is something that is the opposite of uh, going to the gym. It feels great in that moment. And then you feel like shit for a couple hours after for doing it. You're like, why did that take 40 minutes? Why did I watch (laughs) so much porn? That was so upsetting. My whole day is indulgence. I can't even like look at the lady at the juice bar because I've been like watching women get fucking turned around. How many tabs did I have? I know. I was like tab surfing so deep. So many weird uh, search terms. And then I see like a woman in real life. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> I mean, having some level of acceptance is like every step of the way of adulthood. Like, right. you know, like there was a time when I remember thinking like, uh, humans aren't meant to work this much. Like, yeah. this is crazy. <laughs> and now it's so normal. Like, all I want to do is work a little bit more oh, yeah. so that I can feel a little more satisfied with myself you know yeah, like and ha- and have a, and now that you have like a wife and you know you're like i want a little bit more money i want to be able to do the things now all the things i've always wanted to do in life is now i want to do them with one extra person so i want to yeah. grow i want to yeah. make progress i want to see what it's like to try this new yeah. phase of i want to go to this i want to see this part of the world which requires money and time off which requires me to work on the right. outside yeah like <laughs> but the weird thing is we chose this job that's like got no real path for like a clear de- de- you know definition yeah. of success right so you you're always sort of thinking about it i've you can argue i can argue that i've considered myself successful because i don't have to temp bartend cater or teach improv anymore mm-hmm. like that's where i count myself as successful where i'm like but i'm still doing a lot of things i don't necessarily want to do you know what i mean i think that. That's not podcasting, by the way, listeners. That's kind of I'm, I'm talking about like taking these jobs or going on these auditions or these meetings. Where you're like, eh, I don't really want yeah. to do or this. Like or like a college humor video shoot, which I li- like. I like to do, and it's a couple hundred bucks. But it's like, this is a fr- this is frustrating use of my time in a way. Yeah, I think that little bit of acceptance of like it's just that way. Yeah, that's part of what showbiz is is very helpful for me. Of just being like, I'm probably always going to feel that way, and what are you going to do? Right. I just sort of have to accept that that's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it makes me feel like, okay, well, I'll just live with it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's what the reality, you know, right. like, because we're not red carpet. If we were, we'd probably have a different set of stresses. Right. Yeah. That we were like, oh, I got to deal with this shit. 
And yeah, it, I know people are know, like, I got to transition from TV to movies. I'm like, I just got to do something more than podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are people who listen to this and be like, I wish I was like, got to be on a podcast in a commercial. A year I, ago, a year yeah. ago, I was saying, or two years ago, I was saying, oh man, I really should have a podcast. Yeah. Now I have three and I love doing it and it is huge. It's not exactly what I thought I was going to do in my life. Right. But it's a, it's in the meantime, it's really fun. It scratches a lot of itches. I get to talk, like I told you. Right. I haven't seen you in a while. See it's, friends. And, yeah, yeah. Nice to sit down and bullshit, chop it up for an hour. And it's, it's entertaining. Like when I listen to it, I'm like legit. Yeah. And pe- people seem to get something out of it. Yeah. I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy doing it. I make a little bit of money doing mm-hmm. it. I make, I make weed money doing high and mighty. And it's, right. that makes sense. Uh, I spend a lot of money on Pays weed. For to itself. be fair. <laughs> To be fair, you break even on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And, but, and it's something I've always wanted to do. It's not exactly the career. It's not fully. What's the thing that you were like? Yes. And then that's the problem. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, what's the. If a genie, I say say this expression a lot. If a genie popped up right now and said, Nate Smith, John Gabris, I will give you whatever career you want right now, I would be like, uh, and he's like, three seconds left. I'd be like, uh, you like talk show host. Like I, don't, like I would, I would panic answer. So right? you don't have it. I don't up. know what it is. Did you have one before that? You're like, well, that ship has sailed. It's not going to be that. Yeah. Well, I thought I would be like, uh, start writing and starring in movies. Is like okay. what I thought. Impos- like Will Ferrell level of like, I thought, you know, I mean, that's still within the realm of possibility. It's not impossible. You're right. Right. Yeah. Now it's more like I want Brian Husky's career. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you want to be a character uh, actor. I, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. I don't need like I. I want to work. That's all. I want to have opportunity. I want to. Right now, my goals are to work on things with people that I think are better or funnier than I am mm-hmm. in any capacity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's the st- sh- shit that excites me. I've had enough TV shows where I'm hosting, and it's like I'm. What, why are the to- people funnier than you? Why they can't? Why can't you be? I want to work with other funny people. Here's here here's where it gets weird. Yeah, all these other shows I've hosted and done, I'm been the funniest person on set. You know what I mean? Like I'm obviously I'm the only person trying to be funny. So you want to be with other more collaborative environment where it's like it's five five people. And everyone's funny or good in some way. And the writer is good and the yeah. director and not even good or better than me or like it's got to be Adam McKay and yeah. so-and-so. I, yeah. I just want them to be like people who all, like. I those, have the same. And, and, and you get a few of those opportunities. Yeah. You know, you've been on a couple of TV shows, been in a couple of movies where you're like, and that's what feels real. So I don't even mind if it's minor one day. Like I want to do. I want like the Husky, Riggle, Hubel. I mean, they're all doing various levels of good in different ways, but I want that like. I'm in one in five major comedy movies. Like, I just want to have a scene where I get to show up and be like, ah, yeah, I shot something with Mark Wahlberg. It was fun, you know, like, or like, yeah, Judy Greer's hysterical. We work together. Like, I just want that shit in life. Yeah. Me too. And I think that feeling is the best part of the job. When you get to collaborate with people that you love and that it doesn't feel like you're working and and people appreciate you for being you. Yeah. Nothing better. I I think that's the dream, right? Right. Yeah, it's like hearing stories about like what it was like on Parks and Rec and stuff, or like, like I can oh, only imagine. God, yeah, like and I'm not dream. even thinking like I want to be on the same show for 50 episodes with the right. best people in the world, but obviously that would be ideal. Right? You're thinking I just want to be on one. I want to be on one. Like I want to like I want to be. I mean, Brooklyn Nine Nine takes place in Brooklyn. I'm like my accent is perfect for it. Let put me just me, fucking put me in. Coach. Give, let me just give a fucking slice of pizza to Sandberg in one right. scene. Give me one line. That's all I want. I got to up Brooklyn Nine Nine on like five podcasts now. <laughs> It's like we it's a show people that shoots in LA. That I know. Show. I'm Why are you not on the show? <laughs> exactly. 
I know people that work on it. I have the, I, it, it shoots in LA, but takes place in New York. I'm right here. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the problem. I ha- That's where I start to get, I'm not, I'm a confident person. The, the reason I start to get in my own head is like, why can't I, why haven't I just had one line on these shows? Yeah. And then it's like, especially these shows that are in their fifth season, they've already had Walsh, Gemberling. Right. They've already had every single person guest star. It's like, right. when do you get to my name on the list? <laughs> and I'm and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with not doing it. I know that's how shows work, but that's the kind of shit that I really want in life is just like getting to go. Like I did like one day on like an adult swim show and it was like Fernie was directing it. I was in the scenes with Donna Fineglass. It was like, this is really fun. Like yeah. this is exactly real hot wives of, Las Vegas, which is like, you know, a hundred dollar a day job. And it's like low budget and it's stressful and it's long hours. But I'm out there with like Keegan and Seth Morris and Jason Manzoukis and Paul Shear. And it's like, and and I'm kind of funny, but these guys are hysterical. And and June and Casey, like these are all like the best working comedy people that are close, close by. You know, it's not Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen and shit. Right. But, and it was like, a absolute blast. I was like, oh, this is what I want. This is like what you want. Career. It's the best feeling. Right. And they, and it's when it's in that environment, it, I feel encouraged to be me. Yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, I think I know what they want. This is like, we're, you're here because we want you to just right. be you. And then you're like, I'm actually, you know, I'm pretty good at this stuff too. Yeah, so exactly. like, holy shit. Now I'm it getting It feels very people. validating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really a good feeling. Did you chase SNL at all? Was that like part no, of your, no, I, I, I submitted a couple of tapes, but, I can't, I can't really do characters like yeah. that. I can't, I can do characters like you do we, a character, like, right? yeah, or or like if the character is a game, right? Like I could do that, like you know the guy who always blanks or whatever. But right. if you were like, hey, we really need to get like get the Sean Spicer, you know, thing right. down impression, yeah, I, I would, I, I would never be able to do it. Right. Like a lot of improv friends of mine, uh, can like eventually learn, and I can't do accents, even. Right. You know what I mean? I could do you one do accent. Uh, accent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing it now. Yeah, <laughs> and then and I got this real one over here. I, I don't believe it. It's not believable. <laughs> never, never cast him. Uh, yeah. Right, but that's the thing. It's like I can't. So like, I never really wanted that. Did you? Did you go after that? Oh yeah. yeah, hard. I submitted yeah. like seven tapes or something. Uh, the uh, yeah, I and then and I think that's mostly like, because it's obviously it's like a comedy institution, but it really. You really feel it when you're in New York. Yeah, it was like, what else is there? It's, yeah, it was the you can't show. imagine leaving. You can't imagine leaving Brooklyn. You can't imagine I, moving. I still out. wish I lived in New York. Like right. I prefer <laughs> living there. But it, it, uh, yeah, that was the show. There was only like a couple opportunities, really. Right. And that was like the best thing. And you also like, and it has that like what we were just talking about. You drop into SNL, all of a sudden you're working with like. Yeah. 20 of the best and youngest comedy writers yes. and 10 to 15 of the best sketch actor, uh, you know, quote unquote best, however you want to, but good yeah. quality people who are comedy focused yeah. and you're getting dropped into an environment where everyone is trying to be funny and make funny things. Like that's like the dream. SNL feels like it would the be ultimate Harold team. It's it like the, the ultimate best, yeah. UCB. Yeah. Where all you're doing is like joking around making up stuff, having yeah. fun, making fun of other things that and happen. Putting on a show once a week, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's the way I always thought about it. And then my, my manager, like when I'd be submitting my sixth tape and like sweating it all night, you know, he would go like, you really want to do this where you're just working your ass off for six days a week and. Yeah. All the decisions about whether or not you get to participate are made by a seven year old man. Yeah. You know, like 
And I'd be like, yes, absolutely. I want to do it. And yeah. Like, or they'd be like, you know, it's a seven year contract. If you get it today, you're right. working on this show until you're 40. <laughs> right. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, and that's the good side. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if right. It works yeah, out and then well. We've heard these like miserable nightmare stories. <laughs> right. 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 Of what yeah. it's like there. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, well, Nate, thanks for coming on and chat. We we'll get we we talked plenty about show business, but we did. That's been our jobs for the last twelve. We years. Talked about bartending, lifeguarding, about life, and bartending, lifeguarding, editing. mowing lawns, editing law, editing yeah. lawns, editing lawns. Uh, yeah, it's a, you sort of edit the grass. Yeah, um. we'll just trim a little bit here. Yeah. Oh, can we? Do we have any reverse shots of you the mower? Any notes on this uh, lawn job I did? Let's just take a look at the lawn. And, yeah, I uploaded uh, it to the uh, Dropbox. Yeah. Just check. We're, it out. we're exporting. I'm having a little problem with the export. We got to render lawn. the mower. <laughs> And, uh, such a niche bit for those who for, yeah for someone who's worked in both landscaping and post-production which is the two of us right um where can people find you online if people want to tweet at you and i uh shitty jobs they've had or career advice please uh isa nate smith issa nate smith as uh, in like jar jar binks would say isa, i like to think of it as like an italian man isa nate isa nate smith but it could be like, isa nate smith it also could be jar jar <laughs> I came up with the handle before Jar Jar was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twitter in the <laughs> 2000 Jar Jar came out 2000. 2001. Um, it came out in May 11th, 1999. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, can I plug? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, next up's plugs. We got to check out Here's Johnny on Hulu, right? There's Johnny. There's Johnny. Yeah, There's yeah. Johnny on Hulu just came out. Uh, uh, you got my my buddy uh, Schultz's on that show with you. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. From right here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's um, right. Yeah, he's up. He's uh, there's he, a poster. There's a photo of him on there's the a, wall. There's a poster in, of, in the studio. Damian Lemon, Charlemagne the God, myself, and Andrew Schultz on, <laughs> dressed as Mormon preachers in some capacity. <laughs> the uh, yeah, funny dude has really? a great role in the show. Oh, that's and, fun, and the show's really fun, and also needs like some TLC so or some extra love so go watch it and because it uh it survived the culling of CISO yeah because it was a show for CISO and CISO deteriorated as a network or as a streaming platform so they moved it to Hulu very luckily moved it to Hulu because not there's two other shows still in the ether yeah that that haven't found a new home so we were very fortunate and and we hadn't aired yet it was a show that had shot but not aired so it was like this thing that we put all this work into that may never get seen but it's out now this That's will probably out. come Seven out episodes. in a couple in a week or so so but it's out now on it's Hulu. out on hulu so check There's it out johnny yeah and it's about behind the, the scenes show, behind the scenes now my in question, the 70s yeah is it like one of those shows where it's like all around johnny you never like really see johnny yeah johnny's only seen in real footage oh cool so cool. it's actually i think it's really cool the way they oh, cool. did it. paul so riser created is it like show. a little bit of a level it's got like that that weird forrest gump layer to it a little, a little bit, bit yeah of, yeah yeah so cool. there is like there's a couple of moments where you're sort of like over johnny's shoulder like george steinbrenner and in, in oh, seinfeld awesome. you know yeah yeah that's uh, fun but for the otherwise, it's like we're looking at a monitor, we're like in the wings, talking about a joke that Johnny just made and that uh, or is about to make, and then we you see the monitor and it's actual it's real footage, footage of him old. doing that joke. Oh, that's cool. So we like interplay with what actually happened on the show, right? And I think you said this, but I remember because I saw the breakdowns for it. It's Paul Reiser created it. Paul Reiser and it? David Stephen Simon. Oh. Who's who's Paul Reiser? Is that what he said? No, or is he? Who's in he? It? No, did he create it or is he? In he it? he just created it. Yeah, oh, that's fucking cool. And so. produced it. Yeah, uh, he's well, a great dude and super funny. Any other plugs? 
Uh, Rogue uh, Elephant under St. Mark's Friday yeah. nights at 930. <laughs> if you have a time machine and would like to go watch mediocre improv in the early 2000s, then uh, there's a 50 person theater on St. Mark's between second and third. And there'll be shows uh, once a month on Friday. Yeah, once a month on Friday. And then uh, uh, eventually times. Ruben would uh, slide out and uh, Rogue would slide up and Ugly Stick would come in underneath. Right. Then eventually it was uh, Mailer Demon and Tantrum. Oh, was it? it yeah, we took it over from you guys when everyone, once Rogue started Dispersed. doing something else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> old Because we, 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 uh, Mailer Demon and Flond did it for a, a period of time too. It was uh, like, I just only think fondly on those nights of doing improv in the East Village. And- I, I like became friends with Rogue because of going to those shows. They were fun. Like, cause I, cause I, I was still like new to the theater and kind of in the scene a little bit, but then I had met like Jim in a 600. Right. And then I was hanging out and, and seeing rogue and meeting all you guys through that eventually becoming, and we became friends. And then it was like going to see rogue on a Friday night. It was like, I would buy three PBR tall boys yeah. and sit in the back row and just fucking laugh at you guys and fucking Reynolds and uh, yeah. all the Ruben people. There's a lot of laughs PBRs, yeah. back then. And then I would bring non comedy friends. Yeah. I think it was the last time I was like, I mean, uh, one of the last times I was like seeking out going to comedy shows. <laughs> yeah, I I, like, I started eventually like doing them frequently, and then I cared less about going to watch them once I started doing. A tr- lot of I them. mean, there were, we tried to make it like a party. That was yeah. part of the reason it was sort of easy to bring people to those shows. Passed out shots, at right? The Jello of the shots. Show. Yeah. yeah, SoCo and Lime was the thing. Oh, SoCo and Lime. No, yeah. Jello shots or something else. Yes, and, and it was just part of the thing. We like wanted it to be a spirited. We thing. would, yeah, we fun. would go. My, I would bring non-comedy friends who are just moving into the city too. We would get shit faced and then go to. Everyone would go to Grassroots. Grassroots. Me and my friends would go to Zum Schneider because we were obsessed with oh, Steins yeah. of Beer. Smash those until my non-comedy friends would go home, and then I would be like rolling the grassroots at like three in the morning, absolutely bagged, and then like corner Anthony King and talk to him about like group games or something. <laughs> like I don't even want to remember. I don't even want to imagine the shit I was trying to talk to people at grassroots about. Dude, imagine if someone played back like one year's worth of like four a.m. improv conversations. Dude, I would have. I would, be, I would occasionally be there with a girlfriend or something, and they'd be like. Ugh! Like yeah, just, I know it's like still hashing this up. Talking about yeah. like, did you see the swarm on gauge match? You know, it's like kill yourself, yeah. please. They would always be like, I want to go. If you want to <laughs> have sex tonight, you should leave with me. If you don't and want to continue talking about improv, stay here. And then that's yeah. a difficult choice. Yeah. <laughs> and then, to be honest, <laughs> sometimes they'd be like, All right, I'll see you later, babe. Yeah, all right, yeah. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> I'll I'll call you at four thirty when I leave here, and I'm fucking looking to fight or fuck. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what happened to your chest? I just stayed in. You should have fucked me. Instead, yeah. I just, instead I went punch for punch against Reynolds. <laughs> Broke my sternum. Um. So, Issa Nate Smith, check out There's Johnny. Tweeted us your jobs. I'm at John Gabris. Gabris.com slash shirts. New shirts coming to the store soon. Um, do I have any other plugs? Yes. Check out Action Boys on Patreon, patreon.com slash action boys with a Z. And check out my new podcast on Earwolf. Uh, Raised, uh, by, raised TV. by TV. Thank you, Nate. Oh my God. Raised by TV with Lauren Lapkus. Um, as always. Can I chime in on Raised? Give a little plug there. So I listened to it and I was like, the fun of that podcast is how bad as a listener you want to chime in. That's what everyone tweets at us is like, just, I just, I talk oh. out loud listening. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. They just say and that. Also, because like, we're wrong sometimes. Yeah, you know? also you have <laughs> details and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, was it, we-? I got like Webster and different strokes confused and oh. I got like 50 tweets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
You pull can't tell one black pull little person from another. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Nate. Check thanks, that man. out. Uh, Nate, good to hang. Thanks, man. Bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.